welcome to the sermon podcast of Orchardville Baptist Church in beautiful Moultrie, Georgia. We're so glad that you've chosen to listen in with us today. It is our hope that you will be encouraged by the Word of God and find growth in your everyday life. For more information about our church or for more digital resources, be sure to check us out on the web at OrchardvilleBaptist.com. And now for today's sermon. special today. Uh, Isla Jane was a little under the weather and Celia was going to be singing so she's natural with her so we pray she starts feeling better. Uh, Today we are going to continue in our study through the Gospel of John. I'll ask you to turn there and as you're turning there again thank Brother Jake and our ladies for playing. Thank you Miss Carol and uh, and, uh, um, I know we've uh, Got some new things going on with the, the sound and everything, so I appreciate you guys uh, spending that extra time to get that uh, fixed for us. Uh, today, we're going to be in John chapter 1. We're going to continue beginning in verse 9 today. John chapter 1, verse 9. And I'll ask if you are willing and able, please stand with your Bibles open in honor and in reverence of God's holy word. John chapter 1 verse 9. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will or a will of of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do love you. We thank you and we praise you today. God, I do ask that your spirit continue to move in this place, Lord. Uh, Lord, our hearts are, are heavy for those who are being persecuted for their faith today. Our hearts are heavy for so many of our loved ones here that are sick. And God, we're praying for them. God, we're praying that you would do miracles of healing, Lord, uh, for them. That you would protect uh, your people, Lord, and, and cause this virus to go away. God, we're asking, Lord, today, most of all, though, that everyone here and everyone listening that they know you as their Lord and personal Savior, that they do not miss out on the greatest gift that they could ever receive, and as the gift of salvation. Oh God, today, would you save souls today? Save them here, save them all over where your church is gathering, Lord. I pray that there'll be salvation that takes place. I pray, Lord, today as believers that we would be encouraged, Lord, empowered, and and Lord, just uh, on fire for you as we think about the fact that we are part of your family and what that means and the benefits that come with that. Oh God, today as we approach your precious word, may it be preached accurately and faithfully, Lord, and may we respond as your spirit directs us. We're asking now, God, that, that, that you would move mightily in our midst, touch every single one of us, Lord. And we pray that, Lord, that um, I would decrease and you increase, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
and you may be seated. You know, sometimes something can be right in front of you and you don't see it. I don't know if this has ever happened to y'all, but there's been times when I have been on my phone, talking on my phone, and tell the person that I'm talking to that I'm looking for my phone. Does it ever happen to y'all? Have you ever had your glasses on top of your head looking all over for those glasses? You know, sometimes something can be right in front of us and we don't always see it. And, and, And in our text today, we'll see that the very Son of God, the Messiah of the world, came to his own and was right there in front of them, did everything he possibly could do to prove to them that he was the Messiah, and yet many of them simply missed him. Now, not all missed him, but, but many did. They missed this free gift of salvation that God had for them. Today, as we look at these verses, I, I want us to, to, to think about this gift of salvation and how we simply do not want to miss it. We don't want anybody who loves us, to, to, that, that we love, to, to miss it. I want you to notice, uh, again, three things uh, in these verses today. And beginning in verse 9, I want us to look at this offer of the gift, the offer of the gift. In verse 9, John, the apostle, who is writing this letter, this book, says, That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. When you read verse 9, we really need to go back and remember what verse 8 is saying because they really are connected and it, 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 they probably go together when we, we preach. I just didn't have time to, to cover all of the verses. But if you remember last week, we studied how John the Apostle writing this letter is talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist and his ministry and how John the Baptist went out and told people, prepared the way for the Messiah And in verse 8, if you remember, we talked about how John the Baptist was a servant of Jesus Christ. It says in verse 8, he was not that light, capital in in my Bible, but was sent to bear witness of that light, capital. Referring to Jesus Christ being that light. As we come to verse 9, he is simply saying that was the true light. The true light being Jesus Christ. It wasn't John the Baptist. John the Baptist couldn't save anybody. We can't save anybody. But the light, the true light can, Jesus can save. Matter of fact, that word true is used multiple times in the Gospel of John to talk about something that is genuine, that is real. Matter of fact, later on in chapter 4, we'll see he'll use it to make reference to the, the true worshipers. And then in chapter 15, to the, the true vine, among other passages where he'll use that phrase. But here we see where John says that this light, referring to Jesus Christ in verse 9, is the true light that gives light. He gives light in the present tense, meaning that he is always giving light. He's always doing that. I'm so glad that my God saves Monday through Sunday. He doesn't take a day off. Amen. You can get saved any day of the week, any time. And a matter of fact, ever since he died on that cross, he has been saving individuals. He says he gives this light in verse 9, notice, to every man, referring to every person he has given this light or given light to. He goes on to say that every man coming into the world, coming into the world. The word world there is the Greek word cosmos. It's, a, it's an important word to John. 
He uses this word 78 times more than any other New Testament writer. It basically means order. Chaos means disorder. The cosmos means in order. And in biblical times, the Greeks looked at the what they described as the thing with the most order was the universe. They saw the universe as something of order. They could predict the seasons. They could predict an eclipse. And, and they saw the universe as a whole as the cosmos, as, as order. And when you think about the universe, what's the most important part of that universe? Well, it's planet Earth and and sometimes the Greeks would use uh, uh, this word cosmos to talk about planet Earth and what's most important on planet Earth was well, the people on planet Earth and many times in, in Greek writing you see this word cosmos it refers to the people that live on planet Earth so the word world depending on its context and remember what's the first three rules of Bible interpretation. Context, context, and context. Again, the context determines which one he's actually referring to. Is he talking about the universe as a whole, the planet Earth, or is he talking about the people living on it? Now, when you look in John, you'll see that the Bible says Jesus is the Savior of the world in John 4, 42. When he says that he is the Savior of the world, he's talking about the people of this world. In John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the cosmos. He's referring to the people. In John 1, 29, John the Baptist said, there's Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the cosmos, of the world. He's talking about the people there. He, Jesus did not come to save this planet. Now, should we take care of the planet? Yes, we should take care of the planet. Genesis tells us that, that we should. But should we take care of the universe? Uh, uh, there's not a whole lot we can do about this universe. But Jesus did not come to save this planet or the universe. You know why? Because it's all going to be burned up one day. Do you know that? The book tells us in, in 2 Peter, tells us very clearly, we see it in the book of Revelation, that everything you see is going to be burned up one day and all things are going to be created new. Jesus did not come to save the universe nor this planet. He came to save the people who were on this planet. So when he talks about all these people coming to the world, what John is, and there's one more way that this word is used. Uh, it is used in the book of John. Sometimes it represents people who are opposed to God or opposed to Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, it's used that way a lot in the book of John. John MacArthur put it this way. It can refer to an invisible spiritual system of, of evil dominated by Satan and all that it offers in opposition to God. His word and his people. In John 14, 30, it says, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me, referring to Satan. A lot of times you will see this word world can also refer to those that are in opposition to, to God. In this verse, John says something very interesting. He says that this true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. What he's saying is that every person who has ever been born has had some knowledge of God, some knowledge of the Lord. And, and the Bible tells us over in the book of Romans in chapter 1, in verses 18 through 20, here Paul says in Romans 1, 18 through 20, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them 
For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. That's why the psalmist could say, not only a fool says there is no God. From the very beginning, God declares himself in the universe. In Romans chapter 2, verses 12 through 16, for as many as have sinned without the law, they didn't have the, the Bible, I also, will also perish with the law. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law, for not the hearers of the law are, ju- are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles do, do not have, do, who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves. Verse 15, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness between themselves and their thoughts accusing or excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to his gospel. What do all those verses mean? What's he saying? He's saying that men and women are without excuse. On judgment day when they stand before a holy God, they can't say that I didn't know that there was a God. Folks, their only hope is Jesus Christ. And some people may say, well, well, that doesn't seem fair, preacher. What do you mean it doesn't seem fair? I mean, what do you mean it doesn't seem fair? What's not fair is when we as believers don't go tell them. This was not fair. God called us to go and share to every single people group the gospel message. Their only hope. And when we choose not to, what have we done? We are the ones who are not doing what should be done. These folks will, will have no excuse when they stand before God. And that's what John is saying. Each person has some of that light in their conscience. They know that there is a God. So there is this offer. But I want you to notice in verses 10 through 13, the response. The response to this gift Notice you can either reject it or accept it. In verses 10 and 11, we see those who reject it. Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Three times we see this word world or cosmos in here. The first two times probably is a reference to the universe or or planet earth, while the third world is a reference to people. In essence, what he's saying, he was in the world. Jesus stepped out of glory and came to our little universe. He came to our little planet. It says the world was made by him. He created all things as we saw in verses 1 and 2. And yet the world, the people did not know him. When it says they did not know him, they did not recognize him. He created everything. He stepped out of glory, came to this earth that he created, to the people that he created, and yet they did not recognize him. Adam Carter, a Bible scholar, said that Jesus made our eyes, we refused to see. Jesus made our ears, we refused to listen. Jesus made our heads, and we refused to bow. He created all things, and yet he was rejected. The same thing is going on today. Most people today still reject Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, their only hope of heaven. We see here in verse 11, the Bible says he came to his own and his own did not receive him. 
Now remember, he owns everything. He created everything. But here, when he refers to his own, he's probably referring to the Jewish people. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, we see God calling out Abram. When he calls out Abram, he tells him in verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In him, referring to Jesus Christ being a descendant of earthly descendant of, of Jesus, of, of Abram. God gave the Jewish people the word of God. He gave them the prophets and the savior of the world. Jesus Christ came to this earth as a Jewish person. Galatians 4, 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son to be born of a woman born under the law, under the Old Testament law. He was a, He came to a, a Jewish town. He was born in Nazareth to Jewish parents. He, he was born into the tribe of Judah, the tribe of kings. Jesus came to these Jewish people. The Bible says here in verse 11, He came to His own, but notice His own did not receive him. It's one thing for a Gentile world not having maybe the prophecies and, and all those things could, could maybe, you would think, say, think, well, maybe they missed him. But the Jews, surely they would have seen him. That word received means to take near to oneself. It has the idea uh, in relation to a teacher of receiving and embracing their instruction uh, to, to, to follow them. John says they didn't just, they didn't receive him, but throughout the gospel of John, we'll see they'll openly oppose him. It's not that they're neutral about Jesus, and many times they'll be hostile against him. Both Jews and Gentiles, Gentiles being non-Jews for the most part, have rejected Jesus. Why have people rejected Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? This morning in our Sunday school lesson, Solomon was bringing out the, uh, the fact that man is sinful. And he talked about the madness of men. That madness. You know what's madness? It's for someone to believe there is a God who one day they will stand before and not live for him and not obey him. That is madness. That is madness to rebel against him when you know that there is one. But, but here, they have rejected Jesus Christ. Why is that? Well, you think about these Jews. The, the, Jesus came and he didn't do what they thought he should do. I know multiple people right now. I could name them off to you. Jesus did not answer a prayer the way they want him to answer, so they've turned their back on him. They thought Jesus was supposed to answer every single problem they had. That he was supposed to answer every prayer and they were never supposed to suffer. They were never supposed to go through any difficulty. They were never supposed to go through any hardship. They, they believed some false doctrine, this, this prosperity gospel that if I'm just faithful to God, God won't let anything bad happen to me and something bad happened. So they just dismissed Jesus. He didn't act the way they wanted him to. Other people, they reject Jesus Christ because if he is truly Lord, that means he's the boss of your life. Folks don't like people telling them what to do, do they? But I've got news for you. There's only one person who is sovereign. There's only one person who can do whatever he wants to, when he wants to, how he wants to, and the way he wants to, and that's God Almighty. We are to submit to his authority. He is Lord, and he's going to be Lord with or without you, Okay? It ain't going to diminish his glory one bit if you don't bow your knee or bow your head to him. But make no mistake, he is your only hope of heaven. And if you don't, you will die and you will go to hell. 
He is the only hope. What you need to do is embrace the Jesus, the Savior, who has revealed Himself here in His Word and submit your life to Him. Repent of your sin and turn to Him. Before that is your only hope. We see that these Jews and Gentiles, they didn't like the Jesus that was put forth there. I was listening to the, the news yesterday, not the news, I was listening to a podcast from uh, Dr. Albert Moeller, and he was, he was talking about an article that he recently read about the New Age spiritualism uh, of, this new, of the new generation, okay? I believe he called it Generation Z, if I'm correct. I may have my letters mixed up. And he made, a, he made an important point. He said he'd been doing this for about 50 years, and what he found out, every generation, every young generation thinks they can improve on religion. From the beginning of time, thought they could improve on it. And, and he talked about how these, these folks are, are, are moving away from being religious to being spiritual. You know, spiritual. Spiritual means that, that you're making up your own religion. He talked about this one person who said, you know what, right now I, I, I encounter my crystals that are on my nightstand on how I need to live my day. What? Crystals? And you're calling yourself spiritual and you think you're okay? Folks, come on. There was a, a Muslim lady on just that she has rejected the, the tenets of Muslim, Islam. She calls, she'll call herself a Muslim, but she's had a spiritualness to it because she doesn't like what the Quran says. Well, nobody does. <laughs> but Christians are doing the same thing. They want to call themselves Christians, but they're spiritual like Oprah. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. No, you're not. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you'll take the Jesus who's revealed in this word and you'll follow what he says. You'll pledge your allegiance to him and your life to him and you'll follow him. And if you haven't, you're not a Christian. You can call yourself what you want to. And, and you, can, you, can just, you can just act like you're some uh, Jedi from Star Wars and you can just think good things and, and move obstacles if you want to. It ain't going to work. Because <laughs> one day you will die and you will stand before a holy God. Here, uh, people reject him uh, over and over again. But praise God, some people accept him. Praise God, some people accept. Look at verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Here it says that some did receive him. This is a slightly different word than what we found in verse 11. This word means to receive something, to accept in whatever manner it comes, okay? That means to express, to receive whatever is given, not picking and choosing, but simply submitting to Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus is not a negotiator. He's not. He's God. You either surrender unconditionally or you are his enemy, according to the Bible. The Bible says here in verse 12, but as many as received him, as received him, he gave them the right to become children of God, those who believe in his name in this text he talks about those who believe that means to accept him as their lord and personal savior he gave them he gave them this gift and that means to give in goodwill it means to to give in accordance with goodwill it, it means to give something with no and just to give it to them to freely give it to them it's in the aorist tense meaning there was a time when they did not believe but boom in a snap of the fingers the twinkling of an eye they did believe and they became part of his family. He gave it to them as a gift. The Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't it wonderful to know that salvation is a free gift? He gives it to those who believe. Ephesians 2 8 says, For by grace you are saved through faith, it is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. This verse tells us, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become. The right, that means permission. He allowed them. He gave them the authority, the ability to become his children without any hindrances. That, that word right, it has to do uh, with, with, with not only right, but also might. He gave them the ability to do it. He gives it to us freely, church. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops in order to be saved. And that's a, that's a glorious truth. God takes you just as you are. He will save you. Now, is he going to leave you in that same condition that you're in? Is he going to leave you in those same struggles that you have? Oh, no. But as I've said many times, you can't clean yourself up and then come to Jesus because there's things in your life you will never get rid of without the help of the Holy Ghost of God. you got to have God to help you get rid of those things. So you come just as you are. You surrender your life to him, and he will save you. This verse says that you might become children of God. At one time you were not, but now something has changed. Something has happened. Remember, everybody who is alive is not a child of God. Everybody alive is a creation of God, but they are not a child of God. Only those who are saved. The children of God are those who repent of their sins, who, who accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They've been spiritually reborn into the family of God. And it's only for those who believe in His name that's not a head knowledge that's not knowing facts about Jesus folks we can go around and we can we can give tests on on different things about Jesus and a lot of people can answer questions about Jesus but they're not saved because it's not a, a head knowledge it's a heart knowledge when he comes into your heart he changes you and you live differently you can have all the head knowledge and not put it into practice you ever know somebody who was so smart but they didn't have enough walking around common sense to walk to get out of the rain Folks, in the Old Testament, the Jews sought after something above everything else was wisdom. To them, wisdom was knowing the Word of God and putting it into practice. That's what they saw wisdom as. They would learn the Old Testament. Over and over, their parents would teach them that. As they got up and as they went to bed, as they walked on the way, they would recite the Old Testament. They would memorize their scriptures. But it wasn't just to stay between their ears. Wisdom was putting it into practice. And as someone who is saved will live for Jesus Christ, their actions will show it. Trusting in Him as their Lord and Savior, turning away from their sins. That's what it means to believe. It means to accept someone's teaching, to pledge your allegiance to them. It involves repenting of sin. You cannot come to Christ without repenting of sin and surrendering to His Lordship. Years ago, I've shared with you that God had to really show me a thing or two about some stuff. Because I thought there was a time when you could, at one time in my life, where I thought you could split up the Lordship of Jesus Christ from Him being Savior, but you can't. You just can't. That's not the gospel. The, the gospel, you get both. It's not only surrendering to Christ, believing in Him, trusting, repenting of your sin, but also surrendering to His Lordship. One person put it this way, a genuine gospel presentation must include an invitation to make conscious decision to forsake one's sin, that means to turn away from it, repent, and come to Christ by faith, asking Christ for forgiveness of sin. If either the need to repent or the sin, of the sin or the need to trust in Christ for forgiveness is neglected, neglected, it is not a full proclamation of the gospel. The gospel is not proclaimed if we don't tell them they had to repent of their sin 
and come to Christ for forgiveness for their sin. You, you cannot split those two up. He talks about believing in his name. In the Old Testament, a name was symbolic of a person's nature and who they were. Y'all remember Jacob? He was a supplanter. He was the, the grabber. He wrestled with God and God gave him a new name. Israel, meaning the prince of God. It took a while for God to change him. Abram had his name changed to Abraham after after an encounter with God. Uh, that, that reflected a change in him, on uh, who he was. A person's name refers to who they are. Jesus is the Messiah. You are trusting in him as the Messiah when we trust in his name. Being a child of God doesn't mean that we hold on to God, but he holds on to us. Isn't that a wonderful blessing? When you come into that family, I want you to know that you can never leave that family. There are some people who teach that you can be saved and, and then lost tomorrow. There are some people who teach that you can be saved and, and one day turn away uh, from Jesus Christ and no longer be saved. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that when you get saved, you are saved forever. Just make sure that you are saved. Don't make some hollow profession where you didn't repent of your sin and didn't give your life to Christ. Because when that truly happens, a person is born again. And as, as Jesus would say in the book of John, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. It's not us holding on to Jesus and him holding on to us, keeping us saved. And oh, by the way, if we are saved, we're part of his family, guess what? We ought to look like him. Amen. You've heard the old saying, the apple don't fall, fall far from the tree. What do we mean by that? What we're talking about is that, that, that child is acting like their, their parents. You know how it is. When your kids act up, they act like the, their mama. When they're doing right, they act like their daddy. As a child of the living God, people look at us, they ought to be able to tell them that we're born again, that we're saved. You know, I had a little conversation with Miss Katie this morning. It just blessed my heart. You know? She was talking about when she dies, you ain't got to worry about where she's at. And I don't. She's confessed to me, and her life backs it up. I asked my Sunday school class today, if you were to die today, will your friends have any doubt where you're going to be? As children of God, we act like God. We act like Jesus Christ. People know who we are. We don't have to tell them. They know by the way we act if we've received it. I hope that you've received this free offer of salvation I hope that you don't leave this place without Jesus Christ. I, I hope that you will not be that foolish to think that just because you've uh, said a prayer or walked down an aisle or been baptized that you're going to heaven. I hope that you, you can tell me I have repented of my sins. Preacher, I have, I have asked you to come into my life to save me. That's, what, that's the gospel. That's what saves a person. There's a lot of people claiming to be Christians, yet they walk in darkness. And John says, you're a liar. And 1 John 1, 6 says, if you profess to know Christ, but yet you walk in darkness, your life is full of darkness, you lie. Why? Because a child of God lives like a child of God. He walks in the light. And then lastly, we see here the offer of this gift, the response of this gift. But then lastly, I want you to see the, the, the terms of this gift. And, and again, I, I just said it was free, but I want you to notice how it comes. It comes by faith. Verse 13 is, is so important. I'm almost done. Please stick with me, okay? He says in verse 13, who were born, 
not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Uh, again, they, they remember that you must receive him. To believe in his name, to be born again, to be changed, you, you must do that. That does not happen. Notice, it does not happen, nor by blood. We're not saved by blood. Now, what does he mean by that? It's not your family connections that are going to save you, okay? The Jews kept very strict genealogies to know who could be a priest and who could be a king. And you see those genealogies in the Bible. We all get excited when we get to read them, amen? Yeah. But they were very meticulous because if you couldn't trace your lineage back, you couldn't serve in certain areas. You couldn't take part in things. Uh, Devout uh, Pharisees of Jesus' day and other Jews they thought that God would surely take them into heaven because as they saw it, they were descendants of Abraham. And as a result, they would get to go in. You know, there are people today who think because they come from a Christian home that they're saved or that they're part of a Christian nation. What is that? What is that? <laughs> folks, I'm here to tell you, it's a whole other sermon we won't get into today. But folks, make no mistake, uh, you, you are not by where your family is or who your family is going to simply going to be in heaven because you came from a, a godly home. You must make that decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Uh, there was one time when, when, when um, uh, people were shouting and, and praising God and uh, Jesus Christ and the Pharisees said, you've got you to calm those people down. And Jesus said, if, if they quiet down, the stones will cry out. He said, I can, I can raise up descendants of Abraham from these stones and other things. He, 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 it's not your, your family connections without you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It, it's, it's not by blood nor of the will of the flesh. The will of the flesh infers what you desire, your effort, your good works. In Ephesians 2, 9, it says, It's not by works lest any man should boast. Someone goes to heaven, it's not going to be because they were a great person. It's because they surrendered their heart and life to Jesus Christ, repented of their sin, and came to him. You cannot earn this place in heaven. There are a lot of people running around thinking that they can. They will be sorely disappointed. Sorely disappointed. Nor can it happen by the will of man. Here is probably a reference to somebody thinking they can make a decision on when they get saved. Uh, folks, uh, I want you to listen very carefully to me. You do not get to pick the time of your salvation. As the Holy Spirit of God convicts you, you must respond as God's Spirit convicts you. In Acts chapter 24, verses 25 through 27, Paul has been imprisoned. It says, Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come, Felix, the governor, was afraid and answered go away for now when i have a convenient time i will call for you meanwhile he had hoped that money would be given to him but by paul that he might release him therefore he sent for him more often to converse with him but after two years pontius festus succeeded felix and felix wanted to do the jews a favor left paul bound in prison uh, what we see here is that Festus, um, uh, I'm sorry, that Felix was there and he, he uh, hears Paul preach. He comes under conviction. And he says, Paul, you know, I, he sent away for a more convenient time. 
The very next verse says he was hoping to get some money and other things. He talked to him other times, but we don't hear about him ever being afraid. He was never afraid again. That Holy Spirit jumped on him and he came convicted. He was wanting a more convenient time. It was not convenient for him to listen to what Paul had to say and to get saved then. He put it off and guess what? He put it off and he missed his opportunity for salvation. Church, get saved while you can. As the Holy Spirit of God convicts you of your sin, that is the time to make a decision. Don't say, hey, there'll be a more convenient time when my life is slows down. Your life never slows down. Things never get easier. There's always going to be something. That's why you do it when you can. The Bible says it is not by blood, it's not by the will of the flesh, not by the, the will of man, but by God. It is God who is responsible for our salvation. He is the one who says the Holy Spirit to convict us to that salvation. Then we must respond. John 6, 40 says, And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and he will raise him up in the last day. Jesus says that you, you only get saved when God ordains it, when God decides it. I want to encourage you today to make that decision before it's too late. You see, today there's a lot of people who still reject Jesus Christ. They reject him, don't want to have anything to do with him. Openly hostile to him, and they'll be openly hostile to you if you try to live for him. But that's okay, church. You know why? Because we're children of the king. We are children of the king. And no matter what we have to go through on this earth, you understand this. Because in Romans chapter 8, Here's what it says about the child of God. In Romans 8, verses 14 through 74, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you do not have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You never have to fear that God doesn't love you nor care about you. He says, because he has adopted you into his family, where we cry, Abba. In the, in the Hebrew, that means daddy. He is writing in Greek, but then he goes to that term that he would call his own daddy when he's a child. But we have a relationship with God that we can cry out to him, daddy. Verse 16, for the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Does the Holy Spirit bear witness with your spirit that you are saved? Oh my goodness, church, verse 17. And if children and heirs and heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, we will also be glorified together with him. Heaven's going to be so sweet, so wonderful. Aren't y'all excited? Man, it just seems like a lot of people are sleeping right now. Maybe the sermon's been too long. It's almost over. Church, the free gift is there. What will you do with it? This week, We've all seen footage of people trying to jump on an airplane to leave Afghanistan. And a lot of people didn't make it in that plane. Some made it in the, in the wheel spot, the wheel spot there and were crushed. And others, there's footage of them falling off the plane when it's in the air. And as I saw that scene, it takes me back to Noah. Y'all remember Noah? Noah's there building this ark. And as best we can tell, nowhere in the Bible does it say it's rained at that point. He's building this, this box, this big old boat, and everybody's making fun of him, mocking him, ridiculing him. This preacher of righteousness, he 
He preaches. And all of a sudden, these animals start coming out of nowhere. Stuff they ain't seen in a while. They just, and they loading up in that, in that box. And then all of a sudden, they come out one day, probably looking to go make fun of the old crazy preacher man down there. And they notice something. He's not there. They notice something else. The door's shut. And I, I can almost see it in my mind. It clicks when the door's shut. He's not there. And a big old raindrop hits him on the head. And then all of a sudden, maybe they're trying to figure out what in the world's going on. And, and rain is just coming down. It's just, and all of a sudden, as they try to cover themselves, rain is shooting up from the ground as the fountains of the deep burst open. You got rain coming up. You got rain coming down. And all of a sudden, it's flooding. All of a sudden, they run to that ark, and I can just imagine them digging their fingernails into the wood there to try to hang on, beating on that door. Let me in. Let me in. This is just Robertology, but I don't believe Noah heard anything. I don't believe because of of the, the thunder and the lightning. The Bible tells us in the Hebrew that the word for pitch that was used for that ark is the same Hebrew word for atonement. I believe they were sealed in that box. They were saved, a picture of salvation. And they weren't worried about anything they had left behind anymore. Just like when you see in, in the rich man and Lazarus, when Lazarus goes to heaven and the rich man's in hell, he can see what Lazarus, Lazarus ain't worried about that person down in hell anymore. <laughs> Further from his mind. I can just see him beating on that door. Guess what? Time ran out. In Isaiah 55, 6, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him when he is near. If you're here today or you're listening and you've not accepted Jesus as your Savior, you've not repented of your sin and surrendered his Lordship, and today he is convicting you of that? Today he has made you uneasy about that? Today he has revealed that in your heart? And regardless of what you've done, today you better get saved while you can. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. This may be your last opportunity to be saved. And you may live for another 50 years. But never again will the Spirit of God convict you of your sin. You will come, you will sit, and you will sleep. And that will be all you'll do all the way right into hell. If today the Spirit of God is convicting you, respond. I'm going to be right there. Brother Aaron's going to be right there. If you're a child of God here today, you remember who you are. You're a child of the King. You are a joint heir with Christ. We can be obedient to him and serve him with everything we've got because one day it'll all be worth it. And if you're here and you're lost, you need to get saved while there is time. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you and we praise you this morning. I pray that right now, God, that your spirit, the spirit of truth, will will, will convict every single person in this room. If there's somebody in this room who is lost, God, may your spirit convict them of their lostness. May they not be able to leave this place until they get right with you. If there's someone listening online, I pray that, God, you convict them right there where they're at and that, Lord, they would turn to you before it's too late by repenting of their sin and come to you for forgiveness. Oh, God, I pray today for every believer. Those of us who have believed in you and trusted in you, we are your children. May the fact that we will never be forsaken by you encourage us today. May we be found faithful to you, knowing that we are joint heirs with you. Oh, God, today would you stir in our hearts. 
whether it be conviction or encouragement, I pray that we'll be found faithful to do it while there is time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Remember, church, salvation is simple as ABC. Admit to God that you are a sinner. You are a sinner. The Bible says we've all sinned, fallen short of God's glory. The Bible says we've got to repent.